Welcome to the Father's Four Podcast, everyone. We're just four dads sitting around talking about how to be good dads. I'm Spencer Seal. I'm Trevor Beasley. I'm Brian Packer. And I'm Forrest Cole. In today's episode, we're going to talk about how to be compassionate when our kids are struggling through physical and emotional issues. Um, Gentlemen, do you have anything? Anybody who wants to start? Well, the first thing that comes to mind for me, I don't have a lot of experience in um, emotional pain for my kids. The, the The range of my children's emotional pain is when I don't let them watch the TV show that they want mm. or give them hot chocolate when they want it, right? Um, and that's a pretty um, low-intensity, proximal cause of, uh, of emotional distress. But uh, when I was in high school, I thought my dad was great. Still do. My dad is awesome. Um, and uh, I was all about sports, as I've mentioned before. That was my life. I got good grades in high school, not because I was hardworking or disciplined in the world of academia, but because I was like, if I am not eligible to play sports, I'll die. <laughs> um, so whatever it takes to keep me eligible, then that is what I'm going to do. Um, Have you told us what sports you played? I played okay. football and I ran track. Huh? And... Uh, and he took woodworking and pottery and I was <laughs> And I was on the chess team. That's a true story. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. Um, anyway, so my sophomore year of football, um, I was the starting QB and I screwed up my shoulder real bad. And it was that was the you end know, of bow, my football. Bow down, <laughs> starting no, no, QB. No, no, no. Not for a team that ran the ball a lot. Okay. <laughs> um, so read into that what you will but um i uh, hurt my shoulder and now it was pretty bad real bad um mm. nerve damage the whole the whole thing and that was the end of my football playing days oh wow it sophomore was, year yep sophomore Ooh. year yeah it's hard I, yeah i was devastated so you were an emotional wreck then the next two school years yeah every sucked. time football season yeah. came around oh. yeah, totally sucked yeah um and i found creative ways to still be involved like i was the video guy i taped all the practices nice. and games and i was like the tech nerd that broke down all the film for the coaches which was cool um and it was a good way to uh, stick around but i mean nothing beats playing yeah. and so yeah i was i was very bummed very um i use the term depressed lightly because depression is a legit real thing and i don't think i was you know you probably had, I mean, there was for, probably a yeah, level of it, it for sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Temporarily um, depressed. Yeah. Sort of yeah. A, an yeah. isolated incident of depression. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But my dad was awesome. He was super encouraging. What I liked was that he, he didn't try to um, treat the issue of me not playing football anymore with like, let's just remove, let's just go totally 180 and remove football and sports from your life completely. Yeah. He showed me, hey, you know, there are ways that you can still be involved. And the there's beauty in just being a fan. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, right. Those years, uh, I watched more football than I ever did. Well, especially if you're putting tape together, film together. Yeah, yeah. And, but like college football, you know, on Saturdays, the day after games, I was you were avail- yeah, yeah. You're I was available. always like with the team or doing whatever when I was playing. But now I all of a sudden had time, and my dad and I got to bond over mm-hmm. like being fans together, and that was cool. Um, and uh, he was very compassionate toward my uh my issue and my struggle and he got it too because he was a sport sports guy a good athlete Mm -hmm. um but he he didn't try to 
just remove it and pretend like it didn't happen. Like he, he sat down with me and sometimes you just want to hear somebody say that sucks. Yeah. You know, like, that, that, shit, that right? freaking sucks. I am so sorry. And that was kind of his attitude. Um, and, uh, having somebody suffer with you and just not try and sugarcoat it, not just be like, you know what? You're just so awesome. Cause I kind of feel like that's a bunch of crap and you know, mm-hmm. whatever false compliments. Um, but, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was, it was awesome. He was great. And, um, I don't know how much I like tactically learned, like I'm going to use that with my kids. I don't really, I don't really know, <laughs> but it really felt good. And I sure. felt the compassion. I'm sure you big. will. That'll come out, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, Maybe. it's obviously well, important to you and to your relationship with your father. So mm-hmm. I have to imagine that, in, you know, there will be an instance, yeah. not multiple, where that will influence it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If not subconsciously. Yeah. I think when you're talking about kind of not being like, almost like redirected, um, like your dad was willing to kind of like sit in the fire with you, mm-hmm. so to speak. For sure. Um, Brittany and I have read a book uh, just about, you know, dealing with kids that are younger and how to kind of manage all of that. Um, and one of the things that it talks about is kind of that same concept of like, it's sometimes easier to redirect your kid when they're, you know, being bad or when they're struggling with something Mm-hmm. And try and like, oh, look at this other cool, shiny thing that will make you happy or make you not, you know, want to mm-hmm. take your sister's toy right. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a short term, almost like a gimmick that mm-hmm. can be a very quick solution, but doesn't teach your kid anything. And mm-hmm. I think that what we <clears throat> what we picked up from that was if you're able to uh, kind of sit in the fire so to speak, with your kid and go through whatever they're going through with them, it helps to teach them the skills that they need to cope with, you know, whatever pain or struggle that Mm -hmm. they're going through with, you know, on their own, but also with someone else rather than just avoiding it or acting like it didn't happen or, you know, trying to find something else to just distract them. It helps them learn the skills that they need and starting that at a young age, I think is really beneficial because then from a very young age with more minor, like, oh, I scraped my knee and that really hurts rather than like, oh, your knee's totally fine. Let's look at your other knee that's, you know, whatever. They're learning like, oh man, here's how I can deal with this pain. And mm. that carries forward to more serious things like, man, I just screwed up my shoulder and I can't play ball. And that was like a big career goal that I had going mm-hmm. forward and now my career is shot and I got to figure something else out for my life. So I think that's huge that your dad did that. And I think that that alone is something that you can take as a parent and, and apply. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. What's the book? What's the name of the book? It's called no bad kids. No bad kids. Oh, I think Brooke has that book. It does not apply to my family. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> just it's super quick audio book listen a few mm. hours i want to say three or four hours 26 chapters that are stupid short mm-hmm. um really useful information i feel like there's some things that i do better than others and some that i'm like yeah okay yeah. i like that but i'll do it my own way but 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, with young boys, who knows how it will go. Sure. Obviously, I can look to how my mom and stepdad treated me in situations like that. I don't remember a lot of things when I was super young, but I remember a lot of emotional things, especially from high school or whatnot, um, whether it was a breakup or when I was a saw freshman and freshman in high school i played soccer my whole life and was was pretty good you know i routinely made it onto the all-star all-star team i was uh i thought it was going to be a given that i'd play high school soccer and i got out there it was like a four-day tryout and i just i always felt like i never got my shot Hmm. And I blamed the coach sure. as, as kids do. And he had coached in a different league. And from what I saw, he um, drafted for lack of a better term, all the, oh, kids, the kids he from, knew from yeah, his oh, league. Man. Right now that's an unfair of me. It's funny. I was, have you guys ever seen the TV show Friday night lights? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was watching an episode Last night, I think uh, last night and the one QB one who gets hit and gets paralyzed and he doesn't make it onto the quad rugby team. And he says the exact same thing. At least you weren't thing. paralyzed. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he says the exact same thing, right? The coach, he knows all these guys. That's why I didn't make it on the team. And I was like, oh man, like this is, <laughs> I can I'm relate. not alone. I can relate to this. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. And I w- there are some things I wish. I had known differently, you know, I, nobody said, look, if you want this, go get it. Yeah. And I think some people are born with that and some people aren't. And I don't think I was born with that. I, you know, I, I was a stupid teenager. I was mad and I was like, nope. And in my senior year, they asked me to come play on the team because they had lost a bunch of players. And I was like, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> not playing on that team, right? And I'm not like, playing just because you lost a well, bunch of players. Sad, right? I'm not playing for that. Guy. I'm not like, gonna be your uh, second choice. I could have played one. I could have played my senior year. I could have gotten a scholarship. I mean, I played water polo and I swam, and I was mediocre. But I, I, I was a. I feel like I was a good enough soccer player to get a scholarship somewhere. But who knows? What is the, beside the point, I think it leads <laughs> to you know, um, kind of a good tie into uh some experiences you know with with my boys being older um i was always fortunate and um the high school that i went to i i made the basketball team each year i didn't mean that you know i didn't i made the sophomore team and played a lot i made the jv team and played a lot and sat bench on varsity you know <laughs> never really played varsity so i wasn't that you know i was i was good enough but not great um but I just watching my boys grow up and the amount of time that they dedicated and put into really wanting to be good at basketball, like the fact that we were taking them to a trainer and, mm. you know, working, working on it for years. And then um, just to see the struggles like with with our oldest as he was at the time he was in high school was the enrollment wise, the largest high school in the state of Utah you know, with mm-hmm. nearing 3,500 students there. And so just when it came time for tryouts for basketball, 
he'd, you know, he'd make the first few cuts and then, and then would get cut there towards, you mm-hmm. know, the end and never made it and just was always second guessing, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. well, if we had stayed, you know, if we hadn't moved and stayed at our last house on the other side of the Valley, I, I'd be playing at that high school cause it's not <laughs> as big and you know, those thoughts and sure. And, um, so what, but, but just the devastation of when, you know, not making the team or not getting the job or not getting the girlfriend or whatever it may be. It's, it's the, you know, how, to, how do you take those lessons and, and help them through the, the struggles and the challenges, whether they're emotional or physical based off of maybe what you learned when you were younger and showing compassion to them, mm-hmm. walking them through it, talking them through it. You know, there does need to be a little bit of the pep talk, but, um, you've got to also help them see how they can get through that challenge, you know, on their own, but knowing they've got a team behind them to support them. Sure. You know, and then watching my youngest, you know, he, he was, you know, played on a, on some competitive basketball teams for a few few years. He would have been like in that between like the sixth and eighth grade time period. And he had a coach that um, just almost ruined the sport for him. It was the coach whose son was the the starting point guard <laughs> mm-hmm. and his son was not real good. And he would, you know, my son was, was playing more of a, you know, a big man position and, and his son would come down and try to get a, throw a pass in and would like way overthrow him out of bounds or whatever. Mm-hmm. And instead of the coach trying to help the whole team through that situation, he would start yelling at my son. Mm. And, um, it got to a point that after just multiple games of this and even parents of other kids on the team looking at us going, that wasn't your kids. None of this is ever here. You know, your kids. Yeah. It just got to a point where my son was like, I'm done playing. I don't want to play. And it took him a few years to really kind of build up wanting to play basketball again. That's too bad. Yeah. It's amazing how one coach or one teacher can ruin something completely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I mean, I, I want to, teach my kids to be able to come to us. Obviously that's the first thing when the, when they, when they go through, especially emotional things as they get older, whether it's failure or a breakup, but I also want to teach them how to, you know, obviously to cope, to learn how to deal with it themselves. But then I also want it a third thing. I want to teach them to not give up. You know, mm-hmm. to yeah. not let yep. one bad teacher, one bad coach, right, ruin it for them. Because it's so easy when you're a kid, right? You're, 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 you're already horm- hormonal and emotional. Yeah, you're and, already a mess and yeah. like yeah. spun, right? Time, and yeah. like you know, I remember another story is a short story is having a geometry teacher. I loved math all the way up until. That my junior, my sophomore year of high school, loved it. Was really good at it, and then I had this teacher that was just it was, and it was the set the first semester I had in one teacher and did great in geometry. The second semester I got a D because <laughs> this teacher just, I mean, I could say all kinds of things about him, but he, there just was I just struggled with him. Sure, right, and that ruined math for me. I was done. I was like, oh, I'm never doing math again, and I became. You know, an, an I English wanted to major. be a marine biologist <laughs> and I went to, and I became an English major. <laughs> and you learn from these as you get older. And I, I look back and, you know, kids are going to make mistakes just like it, no matter mm-hmm. what you do. Right. Right. But I want to give them the tools to, you know, to 
to keep going. Yeah, to look at something. The coping uh-huh. skills. The coping skills to yep. be like, okay, this is a bad teacher. If you have a bad teacher, go get a new teacher. Yeah. Or what are you right? going to do? About, yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? If it makes you that miserable, yes. Yeah. What, what are you going to do talk about to your it? Right? Get a new teacher. Yeah. So my question, how do you give them those skills from a young age? That's good. It's like, how do you teach them that, those skills without, how do I say it? Without um, too much, you know, instilling too much arrogance in them, mm-hmm. thinking that sure. they're prima yeah. donnas, uh-huh. that they're divas, right? They can do anything. That they can do anything they want. You know, well, well, I'm going to get a new teacher because my dad told me I could or my mom told me I could. But it's the, I mean, no, it. this has really yeah. taken me down a path that I'm not doing well in. Yeah. I really can see yeah. my, I, that I'm not, I'm, we don't all fit with, with bosses or teachers yeah. or yeah. coworkers. Mm-hmm. And so we have to find what fits and what really yeah. helps us. It's kind of a question of how do you teach your kid to be their own advocate? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, yes. And to be like breaking down like an advocate is, you know, how do you teach your kid to kind of fight for what they deserve, you know, and to identify what they deserve and, and how do you get it, you know? Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's a tough, tough conversation to tell your kid, you don't deserve to start on the team. Yeah. If you worked really hard, then maybe you do. Maybe you would deserve yeah. it. And um, and I'm sorry I didn't pass down all the great athletic abilities <laughs> here. <laughs> well, and like you know, look yeah. at all the look at all the pro. I mean, there are a lot of pro athletes out there that aren't the most talented. They're mm-hmm. just the hardest workers. Too, yeah, right. Yeah, so, totally. I mean, that's an interesting exactly. sort of yeah. you know analogy. And I think something that you said was, um, shoot, I just lost the line. No, something you said was, wait, what was it? I don't remember what I said. It was, um, you can be, they can be anything they want, right? Is that what you just said? Like the whole idea of not being, not being a prima donna, not being a prima donna. Not being a prima donna. You can't just have a diva. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but coming back to something you said, you said something along the lines of, you don't want them to be a prima donna and think they can just do anything. But you do want them anything to think they, want, they can do anything. But they you want. also want them. To, yeah. To, I don't want them to be a teenage Karen, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry to Karens out there, uh-huh. but no, I don't. <laughs> sorry, I, not sorry. I don't want to be sorry, the parent either. Karen, and I don't want my kids to be to learn that yeah. aspect of it. I want yeah, them to know absolutely. they can do whatever yeah. they humility put their minds yeah, to. But yeah, humility. humility. I want them yeah. to be humble yes. about it. Yeah. There's a there. There is, I think, a definitely a such thing as a humble swagger. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For sure. I think it's just a balancing act of, of teaching your kids, kind of like what you were saying, Spencer, like recognizing what it is that they deserve, but uh, also recognizing that you earn the things that you deserve. Right. It's not something where you deserve something because of, you know, who you are. Removing um, that entitlement. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How cool you are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's that, you know, the hard work earns you the things that you quote deserve. Yeah. And then once you recognize and, and identify like, Hey, I've worked really hard and I deserve this. Then in those situations where maybe you're not getting the thing that you deserve, that's where, you know, being able to fight for yourself and, mm-hmm. and say like, Hey, no, I've worked really hard yeah. and mm-hmm. I deserve this Busted thing. My tail for this opportunity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing that we that. do with Paisley quite a bit, um, is like she will. And I feel like little kids are just like it's just nature to you, you've grown up and you can't 
do many things, if anything, for yourself. So you've grown up having everything done for you and kind of almost being treated by every adult like, oh, you're, you're too small for this. You can't, you know, you can't yeah. go do this. You can't go do that. And so you have that mindset so that when you're, you know, four or five years old, you start doing stuff. And when you can't do it the first time, instantly you're like, mm, I can't. I failed. I can't. Yeah. I can't I'm the zip worst my coat up. I can't put yeah, my right. shoes on. And then she's, you know, really quick to, I can't do it, dad. I need you to do it for me. Mm. So we've, uh, at least myself, have started saying like, you can do hard things. Mm-hmm. And just reinforcing like, you can do it. It may not happen the first time. And I may need to, you know, help. I say, let's for, work, let's work minute, on it together. But yeah, yep. it's, it's very much a balancing act of reminding her and reinforcing that you can do hard things. And then allowing her to do it on her own and not doing it for her, but also reminding her that she's not alone. Like, I'm there to help if she needs it. I'm not going to do it for her unless she's, you know, super needing it and has asked me, things like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just that balancing act of letting her do it on her own, but not making her feel like she has to do it only on her own and that she's in it alone and has no support. Mm-hmm. And that on turn will make them emotionally strong, right? Mm-hmm. Resilient, yeah. you know. Resilient. And so when those emotional trials come, it can it can help them. Have I told you guys about the article, the stories that bind us? I feel like I tell a lot I, of people about this. I want to say that sounds vaguely it sounds familiar, familiar yeah. but I don't, I don't know if it was recall. on air or off air, I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think Brian, I talked to you about this because this is yeah. the reason I st- wanted to start this podcast at work. Uh, the yep. stories that bind us, I think it was passed around church circles for a while too. Cause my uh, father-in-law gave it to me. But so if, if you've heard this before and if our listeners have heard this before, forgive my redundancy, but <laughs> this, all of what we're talking about reminds me of this and it's, it's something a little bit, it adds to it. The stories that bind us a quick paraphrase you know, he starts talking about how long histories of companies, you know, keep these companies strong, right? And if you know the history of that company, it like gives employees a sort of sense of worth. And he relates that to families, right? If families know their family history, it gives them a sense of worth. And he did a study with kids that were um, suffered tragedy during 9-11. He never says what that is exactly. He meets with them right afterwards, and then 10 years later, he meets with the same set of kids. And he finds out that the kids that have a strong sense of their family history, like they know the stories of their grandparents and maybe even their great-great-great-grandparents, can emotionally um, survive tragedy better than kids Mm -hmm. who don't know their family history. That's very interesting. Yeah. Right? And I always – I love this story My in in – you know, it was introduced to be mine by a father-in-law who also loves it. And I think it relates, you know, we're, we're not necessarily talking about our telling our story, but we're, we're giving them the emotional tools that I think can also be applied, you know, in this same sense that the emotional tools that will help them to persevere, yeah. you know, and maybe that is knowing about their family, but it's also knowing you know, the, what to do and what not to do yeah. and how to push forward and 
when to not quit because someone upset you or you failed or any of these things. I feel like we kind of are, though, uh, talking about not necessarily family history, but we've all mentioned multiple times how our parents or our grandparents have had some sort of an influence, have Mm -hmm. passed down some of those tools from their toolbox to us. And now we're doing the same with our kids, Mm -hmm. some of those same tools. So it's, it's still kind of that same lineage, you know, following. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, Mm -hmm. I I mean, I, I don't know if you guys talk to your kids about the way your parents were with you. I I don't do a lot now because I think they're too young, but I know as they get older when they're, you know, Mm -hmm. preteen, whatever, I'll start talking about the things that I went through, the lessons I learned and hopefully they'll learn from it as well. Yeah. So what about, what about the physical, the sort of physical struggles, you know, whether it's getting hurt, you know? So before we even started recording, I told you guys about two stories that happened in the last (laughs) 24 hours, basically my youngest son was running down the hall, turned around and, split his eye open on a chair casing on the corner of a chair casing, you know, had to take him to the quick care. Didn't need stitches, but we got it glued and taped. Then my other kid tonight was running to jump into his brother's bed, which is the lower bunk and like smacked his head on it. So he's got hops jumped higher, (laughs) jumped higher than he thought he was going to. That's right. Sweet. So I wasn't there when my younger son got hurt. And by the time I got there, he was calm. But with my boys, my tool is to be funny. Sure. Right. So when they're physically hurt, whether they punch each other, fall down the stairs, whatever, I try to bring humor into it. And I don't know if that's the best way to go about it, but... You know, so for example, forgive me if this is offensive to anyone who's listening, but if they cut themselves, I'll be like, okay, it's time to cut off your finger. (laughs) Right. And they think it's hilarious. Right. And today when my son hit his head, he was like, cut off your head in his head. And I'm like, let me look at it. Let me look at it. And he like goes like this. And I go, (gasps) he's like, what dad? He's like, I can see your brains and he starts cracking up, you know, thinks it's super funny. And then the young one gets in on it. Right. And he's like, your head's gushing blood, you know? (laughs) And I just think for me, it's a good tool as they're young Mm -hmm. to like bring some humor into it. And I think, I think that helps them. It helps them deal with, and I'm, I'm I'm never going to be the type of dad to just sort of ignore them when they get hurt or, you know, tell them to, you know, as we said earlier, before I think we were recording, just rub some dirt on it. Right. That, mm-hmm. you know, phrase I see, I see it all over the place right now. But I, and I, but I also I'm, don't want to, it's a, it's a, it's a precarious balance, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You want to like leave some room, but you don't want to be a helicopter parent and jump like when they get hurt, just yeah. be like, oh my gosh, what's yeah. wrong? Uh-huh. Right, you want right. to give them some a moment to calm down because most of the time, totally fine. You know, after about forty five seconds to a minute, they're like, "Good, right back at it." Yeah, yeah. 
it's kind of you you bring up you know the the rub dirt on it i kind of i kind of laugh because um i always kind of chuckle a little bit when i hear stuff like that because i come from you know being older my my grandpa packer so he's he's been gone he passed away like you know 20 plus years ago but he grew up in that era of you know the the depression and the mm-hmm. working hard and all of that and had his own when they moved here to salt lake he started his own uh, glass company and so mm-hmm. what kind came with that and i got to work in the company growing up and so forth when my dad and uncle were running it and you know what came with that was a lot of cuts and this and that sure. and the phrase that when when my grandpa that he would always tell us and i knew that he wasn't like he was joking around but the way he would say it is and he was kind of had you know a little bit of seriousness to it too was like put a band-aid on and get back to work mm-hmm. you know because he's, he's <laughs> like we got to get back to work mm-hmm. you got to get going on stuff but that's something that we still even this day you know me being 49 years old we still in the fam- throughout the family use that you know in a, in a joking way <laughs> yeah sure it was so we sure. we apply humor to it and and it kind of reminds me too of you know as in my dad's you know later years um hearing him with like the younger grandkids sometimes you know little kids they stumble they trip they fall they start to cry and he we'd hear him sometimes you know and he's joking and saying it it didn't always come across as joking to the mothers or some of the fathers <laughs> but he would say like pick yourself up and come on over here you know or you know mm. pick yourself up and i'll and i'll take care of you kind yeah. of just teasing that you know teasing them but that's yeah. actually a really like cool statement yeah. right yeah. Like, right right it's not like hey just get up it's like pick yourself up and yeah. come on over right it's yeah. like a I'm it's not going to go get you. It's that balance. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's like, hey, you there, know, there was always the, you can get yourself up, but I'm still here. Right. There was always that. I'll give you something to cry about, you know, that, <laughs> that we'd hear too. So, yeah. And that was their way of having the, you know, the humor around it too. So, yeah. yep. Yeah. It's interesting. I feel like, um, so with my two girls, humor does not work. FYI with my kids i i have i have used the like oh you have a cut on your finger i guess we got to cut it off and paisley absolutely lost it thought i was serious was like like, never that never that again i don't want to lose my finger like i was like okay not again (laughs) okay let's go turn on elsa yeah exactly so uh yeah both of my kids are uh different in their own way when it comes to pain i feel like paisley my older um is usually pretty resilient until it comes to uh, when her little sister is hurting her, like pulling her hair or whatever, <laughs> because she thinks if I make a big deal of it, then I'm going to get my little sister in trouble mm, for yeah, pulling my hair yeah, or whatever. The vindictiveness. Yes. So it is uh, I'll show her. way over the top. Tonight, um, Holland and Paisley are playing and... Paisley had like taken a toy or something. So Holland was mad at her, pulls her hair. Paisley's totally fine. I can tell she's fine. And then she looks over and sees that I had witnessed she, Holland pull her hair. She got three, loses it. Oh, full on like, tears. She's like, dad noticed. Wailing. Okay. Time to yeah. So, and it was almost <laughs> that like look over and like out of the corner. You're like, is dad watching? Okay. Okay. So let's, nah, let's turn it on. <laughs> and so, yeah, I feel like, um, Part of that is probably because the first couple of times when Holland pulled Paisley's hair and she actually was hurt, then mom and dad both were like, whoa, Holland, chill, like a big reaction. Right. Yeah. And so now she's like seen that once or twice and is like, maybe I can get that big reaction again. And 
you know, she gets something out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also think that like, as your kids, it's kind of sad to say, I guess, but as your kids continue to get hurt, you start to learn more about like what cry is legitimate, what cry Mm -hmm. is fake, Mm -hmm. what things actually hurt, what things they've done a million times and you know that they're totally fine. And so you kind of start to distinguish and be able to find that balance a lot easier of like, Oh, I hear her crying, but it doesn't sound like it's a bad cry. It sounds like it's a whiny cry. So Mm -hmm. I'm just going to, Mm-hmm. You know, let her cope with it or like, oh, that one's not, you know, someone's really hurt. So let's sprint yeah. upstairs. Yeah. I mean, that's totally legit. So Fisher, he's our, that's the youngest one. He is our, he gets hurt all the time, right? He just ever since he was little, he gets hurt all the time and he has a cry. Yeah. Like, you know, it, you hear it from upstairs and you're like, uh oh, yeah, like, that's always it's time it. to Uh-oh. like, you know, jump down the stairs and get going because it's, it's the legit cry. It's a legit cry. You know, yeah, it's interesting that you can learn those nuances. Mm-hmm. Oh, so seriously. And, and I would imagine, uh, I mean, I'm, this is most definitely for sure, but as, as they get older and the issues are less about they hit their head and more deep things, yeah. you know, emotional things, you can identify when they're just having a bad day or when mm-hmm. like something is really like yeah. they got yeah. a problem. You know, yeah, that's actually a good, a good call out that you'll start to be able to distinguish. Yeah. When it's like, okay, woke up on the wrong side of the bed type of a thing or like something's up and I maybe need to Mm -hmm. investigate a little Mm -hmm. bit further and peel back some of the layers and figure out what's going on. Yeah. Good discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else to add? I think something I was thinking about was um, this was a a wisdom nugget for my older brother. Got a lot of them. So there's plenty (laughs) of wisdom to go around. They think anyway. Um, (laughs) When I was like a little kid and we'd roughhouse and I'd hit something or scrape my knee, whatever, and I'd cry. My brother told me like, hey, if you um, if you tough it out and stop crying the next time you get hurt it'll be easier to tough it out and then easier and then easier and easier. You'll mm. accumulate some physical toughness and learn how to manage uh, an owie. Um, and then when... Uh, Did he use the word owie? <laughs> I hope so. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> this is like one of my earliest memories. That's, um, that's crazy. But what he did say then was, and if you get hurt and it's completely unmanageable, even if after you've accumulated this um, callousness, this toughness, if you get hurt then and it really hurts and it's bad and you can't walk, that's when you know it's bad and you actually need help. And you <laughs> should cry. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, how old was your brother when he gave you this? Oh boy, God, I don't know. Advice? A lot older than me. Uh, he was probably like fifteen. I was like three mm. or something like that. I mean, that's pretty <laughs> imparted astute advice from, yeah. from a fifteen-year-old. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. Occasionally, you know. Those knuckleheads had some had some Man, wisdom. Not very often, but <laughs> <laughs> you are gonna have to deflate him after he listens to this episode. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. But I, but I think it's true. You know, yeah. yeah uh, one um, uh, isn't the word I'm really looking for, but one tough act can beget another, and you do physically and emotionally when you learn to deal with things. Your capacity to deal with the next problem becomes greater. Mm-hmm. 
you're better prepared. Yeah. That's a nugget to take away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. I like it. I am. Um, maybe we'll just end there, but I was sort of what you were talking about. You know, I think we get, you know, I can't, maybe this isn't work for everybody, but I, I do feel like we get to a place where those kinds of things, as we grow up, they don't bother us. Right. We, we just rub some dirt on it, mm-hmm. but yep. in a, not in a sort of ridiculous misogynistic way, misogynistic, that's not the right word, but anyways, in a ridiculous way, you know, there's multiple times where I, you know, in my many years of either working as a carpenter or as a, as a cook where I like would have some terrible cut from a knife or something and I'd have a paper towel and duct tape. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> hundreds of times, hundreds of times, you know, um, now, and that sort of leads me into this other story was I was walking my dog. I was running actually with my dog. We were on the dog ran around my legs and I just like, mm. and I like was holding the leash. So I didn't, wasn't able to put my hands out. And I just, this is like three weeks before I was getting married. Oh, landed on my chin and I was able to get my wrist out, broke my wrist, <laughs> six stitches in my chin, you know, and you shot the dog. No, so I was, Peter. I was sorry, Peter. I was mad at my dog and I remember like yanking her leash and I remember looking down and she gave me this like, look like, what did I do? Look, yeah, and I was I like, I feel guilty about it. Ever, ever since. But I remember, so I went, I was living with my best friend. I went to the, I went there and I was like, like knocking on his bedroom door. I'm like, Scott, I think I got to go to the doctor. And he like turned around and he was like, it's like blood gushing. <laughs> oh like, okay, gosh. let's go to the doctor. <laughs> Anyways, he and I were working for the same guy and I went to work the next day. And the, and the boss was like, can't believe he came to work. Like nobody comes to work when these kinds of things happen. <laughs> and it was always like a moment of pride for me a little bit, right? Like, Oh, you know, like, of course, like I want the money. I'm tough. Yeah. You know, <laughs> believe me, I didn't want to, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was, uh, you know, I think I was high on hydrocodone or whatever they gave me Percocets, but, um, anyways, you know, I feel like you, you, you know, you, even men and women alike, right get to this place where they can deal with things yeah because of the help from our parents yeah that's what i believe all right everybody thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next time Peace. Peace. later